I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Ed Tech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Saturday morning or afternoon, evening, or maybe you're well into Sunday, whatever time of the world it is for you. Thank you so much for making my EdTech life what it is today. And today I am really excited because I have an amazing guest who's been doing some amazing work. I've been a longtime follower of his work. And today we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship and who better to bring onto the show than Dr. Will Dayimport. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful morning. Dr. Will, how are you today, sir? Hey, thank you for bringing me on. Uh, I'm blessed. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm just really excited to have you on the show. And thank you so much. I know that we kind of made this happen, you know, real quick. But, you know, I heard that episode this last week that you put out. And I I listened to it three times, been commenting on your social media because it just really blew me out of the water. And it's just definitely something that I see uh, in a lot of educators in the education landscape, uh, landscape right now. And of course, I just wanted to bring you on to chat about this because you've definitely done a lot of work, uh, you know, in talking about entrepreneurship. So, Dr. Will, before we get started and jump in, if you can give us a brief introduction and your context and education for all our audience members that are watching or catching this on the replay. Well, hello, people. I am better known, I guess, uh, as Dr. Will. I am a K-12 district instructional technologist. Uh, Prior to that, I worked in corporate America. And and before that, I was actually a college and career mentoring uh, coordinator for a year up program out of Boston. And so uh, I've just been spending the last 10 years working with a school district and trying to move teachers forward and thinking digitally and thinking to go digital first and transforming and reimagining what they do with technology in their classroom. Excellent. Dr. Will, so let's go ahead and get started with this, the origin story. The first part I'd like to really uh, get to know my guests, and I want our audience members to really know the guests. And I always tell anybody that I invite to the show, you know, it's like, I look up to the people that I bring on because I myself am learning during this time, but also the knowledge that is shared with our audience members. But as every superhero, they have an origin story. I would definitely love to hear a little bit about your origin story as far as how you came into the world of education. Like I just heard you mention right now, it wasn't the traditional path. So if you can tell us a little bit of uh, background as far as uh, that is concerned. Well, I was at the University of uh, Southern Mississippi and sort of graduation was upon us. And I actually filed late uh, for graduation and, you know, go through the whole cap and gown, pump circumstance stuff. And then I go home and I graduate with a degree in radio, television and film with an emphasis in uh, uh, film production. So I'm going home, I'm at home, um, and I say home, not my home, my pop's house. And I'm thinking, um, I am going to write a script, right? I'm, I'm going to write a script. I, 
I went to film school to make movies. I'm going to write a script. So I go home, but then I'm like, I need, I need to make some coins. So I start substitute teaching. And as I am substitute uh, teaching, I'm, I'm meeting uh, this one particular teacher who taught Spanish, and then we would talk about uh, Latin music and things. And, uh, you know, I told you, know, I love the salsa dance. And she asked me to work with her and her students on uh, teaching them how to salsa dance for this group, this uh, foreign language fair that they were going to have at a, a local university. And so I had a chance to work with the kids, had a great time. I went to competition, kids got a trophy. It was a great experience. But in doing that, I, you know, I was like, well, development is like, this is real cool. And so I, I got my, then I got this thing in the mail about a gear up, you know, and, you know, things like that. So I was like, yo, this is, um, this is a cool type situation, right? And so I applied, it was accepted, and I went to Boston where I worked for the uh, UMass Boston uh, in Massachusetts, and I ran, I was a college career coordinator where, you know, you're introducing these, uh, I guess they're called underrepresented students to the whole college planning process. And so in doing that, you know, working with students, bringing in people, uh, from local universities to talk to them about financial uh, planning in terms of what the cost of tuition and going to college is and financial aid and having other mentoring things going on and taking kids on college uh, tours. So we went all we went all over Massachusetts, but we also went to Sony University, Connecticut, you know, you know New Hampshire and all those. So I wanted to, you know, just take them out and having those exposure and then having what I would call like family nights where students were bringing in because the students at their school, and this is Boston. So they family of origin could be from Dominican Republic, Haiti, uh, Afghanistan, you know, Estonia, all these different places. I say, Hey, so we're going to have this family night. It's going to be like full fun, financial aid. Everybody's going to do this potluck thing. And then we're going to have someone come in and talk to parents about financial aid. And so, you know, doing things like that, having a great time, also creating events like Girl of Palooza, where I would bring in, whether it be a newscaster, a university professor, a business lady to come in and talk to the, to the female students about, you know, life, passion, purpose, career. And so I just, you know, that was my thing, you know, just exposing students to different people, places things and feelings outside of their local neighborhood. Like we've all heard you can't be what you can't see. And so it was important for me, whether it be college uh, tours, bringing in mentors, posting these events to where students could look and see professionals who actually look like them. So they could say, you know what, if this person can do it, I can do it as well. They can see that representation. And so that was my first start into education and I did that for a few years and then I got out, uh, went back to school, got a few more degrees and then hit the private sector and then I ended up where I am now. Wow. That is a great story though. And that, but again, just the where that all came from and that growth and gear up and all those programs and everything. So being around students and definitely helping, helping them out and 
I love what you said. You can't be what you can't see. And I think that's something that I, I can definitely, um, you know, relate to. And especially, you know, trying as a classroom teacher, always trying to give students opportunities to see what is out there beyond the four walls of, of your classroom and even the four walls of your building or just the boundaries of your district. And that's something that is so important. So that is definitely valuable work. So uh, again, Dr. Will, let's go ahead and dive in into this topic as far as edupreneurship, you know, so going through what you've done and then the work that you said you went back to, you went back to school, got a couple more degrees, but where did this, uh, I guess, either passion for this work or the idea to bring forth this term edupreneurship, which I'd never had heard up until 2018, 2019, when your documentary came out. So tell us a little bit about that story and how this project started coming about. Well, I got interested in this whole thing because I had been presenting like, you know, a lot of us at a lot of conferences. And then I had started to pop up and present more and more. And my name started, you know, to get known by a few people. And then I was at this one conference and a person walked up to me and she had happened to have a leadership position in her district. And she said, Hey, is it, do you consult? What are your rates? And then our conversation got interrupted and she said, get back to you. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. So I called up Eric Schenninger, who I called my Yoda. And I said, yo, man, what's going on? And so we had this conversation. He told me, okay, hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? Blah, blah. And nothing came about from that. But then another conference I went to, not long after that, I actually had uh, an assistant superintendent for another school district walk up to me, ask me the same thing. He came to one of my sessions and i was jokingly saying well was, was, was this a job interview or something and he was like uh sort of and then after my session he said you'll be hearing from me and then i did hear from him and I, you know he asked for a proposal and what i was going to do talked about it and then i went in and the interesting thing about it was i never done any consulting work and i didn't know what to expect I just did what I normally do for my job. And I did. I spent six hours and my first check was $2,300. And I'm looking at that going, because especially, you know, you can sign the, the contract for it. And you know, okay, it's, it's what the money is. But when the check came in the mail, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, this is almost as much money as I bring on for the month. I said, you know, well, we're on to something right here. We're, we're on to something right here. And then my next check was 3000. I'm okay. Okay. All right. All right. And, you know, from there, I just started, had always been interested in business. But once that started to kind of happen for me, and then I started to really dig deep into business, watching a lot of YouTube videos, reading articles, and then going through our own uh, financial transformation at home in terms of, you know, getting out of debt, 
and raising our credit scores and then stacking the cheese, you know, I, then I was just all in. I became like, you know, fascinated by this whole idea of multiple streams of income and looking at, you know, your familial history, your relationships, and what are your triggers when it comes to money and, and just studying financial literacy and all those things. And it just became something that just drove me. And, you know, I, I don't want to say I came obsessed, but it was just something that I was just always just energized by learning more about. And when I got a chance to interview Dr. Sarah Thomas, she, you know, I told her, I said, you know, I would love to be a part of the Edgematch family. I said, but I don't have a book in me. And she said, why not do a documentary? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you, you already do these podcast interviews. How about doing a series of interviews? And we just edited it, edited it together to create a story. And I said, okay, I like that idea. But the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, EdTech. And then I was like, look, I'm getting bored of this EdTech stuff. Because even at the time, you know, things that work just were, were, weren't popping for me emotionally. So I was like, look, I'm getting burned out. I'm done. I said, you know what? Let's do something about this. Let's do something about entrepreneurship. And I wrote the proposal. And, you know, I, I put together sort of my guest wish list, everybody that I would want to be in it. And Sarah was like, yo, this is cool. And, and I reached out to everybody, everybody said, let's do this. They signed a release form. And I was like, let's do this. Because if you haven't watched the doc documentary, you should go get that bad boy. Some of the biggest names you see on Twitter you see them at conferences, they're in this document. And they're talking about their lives and their, their experiences and how does all of this thing sort of work. And it was just a great experience uh, to do, to interview all of them, because I asked everybody the same questions. And then again, a narrative was crafted around their answers. And that's how the documentary was born. And then, you know, I had already made a shift in my podcast because again, I was just getting bored because, you know, you you know, when you're doing certain interviews, especially air tech space, whatever, a lot of times you just started. It's like a circuit. It's like if someone had this person on their podcast, sooner or later, they're going to come through your way. So it's like you just, you know, you're doing this whole thing. I was getting tired of it. Wasn't happy at work. It was just like, OK, I, I'm done. Let me let me go on, switch my podcast. So I pivoted my podcast. and so. Even though I may bring on somebody that we know, but when they come on my show, we're talking about how do you create, how did you create your business? And so it's a, it's different. So they don't come on my podcast and just go, we're going to talk about SEL today. We're going to talk about how you sell SEL, how you package SEL, but we're not going to get into a deep, deep discussion around that. So I'm, I'm bringing on educators to talk about. How do you monetize your talents, your experiences, your receipts from beyond your classroom walls? And so that's how all of that kind of came about. Oh, I love that, Dr. Will. And honestly, you know, everything that you've said really resonates with me as from the start of this podcast that, you know, I did in April 10th, 2020, 
how I have shifted slowly. And sometimes I feel like I'm out of place within the education space, like now that I'm moving to towards a little bit different direction, but it's still, you know, I, I being a multi-passionate creative, I love to learn about everything and everyone. So sometimes, you know, lately, like we don't even talk about tech. It's like, I want to know, hey, what's your story? I want to know what your successes are, what your inspiration is, what your obstacles have been how you've overcome them. And I just want educators to connect and just make those connections and what you do with that information, those connections afterwards, you know, that, that, that'll be great. And so, but what I loved and what really resonates about your podcast, like you said, is right now I'm in that transition where now I'm like, Hey, you know what? I've, I love what I do, but what, how can I maximize that too? Because everything is out of pocket. Like how can I bring in some extra change so I can pay for my subscriptions even or do those things? So listening to what your guests share, you know, and just tweaking things, doing little things, trying new things really has motivated me. And in a way, like been jumping in and doing research on how can I maximize what I am doing outside and my passion that I have for sharing this podcast. So you know, thank you so much for sharing what you just shared right now that is very valuable and, and how you see things, how you saw things. And, you know, it's about time, you know, sometimes too, like educators get paid. And so we'll talk a little bit about conferences. Um, so, for example, you know, at, my mindset was always like, oh, I just got to go and present. I got to go and present. Got to go present all the time because you never know who may be there. You never know who may see you. You never know, you know, all those things. And uh, to be honest with you, it's like it's sometimes that you just burn out, you know, from doing all those presentations. And then, of course, you are sharing information. And I've had, you know, similar situation where, like I know Yaritza mentioned, where you share certain things and then all of a sudden it pops up with somebody else and, you know, with a slightly bigger name. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's magical. And it just really just disheartens you because you put in all that work all for somebody that may have more Twitter followers or have more connections now presents that same information, but they're now up there and seen as the SME, the subject matter expert. And so what has been your experience with that, Dr. Will? I have seen, what is interesting, I have yet to present on entrepreneurship, which I, I, I think I need to start doing it because, you know, I am at that point where the stuff that gets me paid is not the stuff that people normally see or hear from me. So it's very interesting about that. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I merge both worlds uh, together. But in presenting at, at conferences, I always tell people, you got to do it not only to where people can kind of see you and get it out there, but you yourself, and do that dry run so you yourself can figure out how do you speak? How do you connect with people? How do you relay your information? You know, it's like when you are watching a comedian do a special, that's not the first time they told that joke. They've been on the road telling that joke maybe a hundred times and just getting feedback from each audience on how do I tweak that joke to be what it is you're watching now on the special. So you hit the conference circuit just so, again, you can tweak it. You can see, okay, this resonated here. Maybe I want to take that out. Maybe I want to add this in, get their feedback. So that when it's go time, 
you have everything ready to where you want to go, right? Because, you know, you want to, as they say, you want to stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. And so you want to make sure that you, you're, you're always refining your work. Now, people can steal what they want to steal, but they ain't you. So I tell people, always be you, do you. If you are, quote unquote, nerdy, then you ride that nerdy road, that nerdy lane. You own it, right? If you are just wild out, you own that too. And even if someone takes some 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 niblets, uh, some tidbits from you, and it's bound to happen because one, we're human, and number two, we're educators. So we're always sort of, oh, let me take that lesson plan. Let me do this. Let me take that. But how you do it will always be different, especially if you lean into yourself. If you try to be someone else, you're going to have a problem. Like Tom Murray is my boy. He came to speak. Uh, did a do a keynote and some sessions at Mecca. He came in Mississippi. We hung out, had some dinner, we were chilling. And I'm, I'm in, he's doing his keto. I'm in this room. He's telling his story. I'm looking around. Everybody is just, just got the napkins and everything, crying. And I'm like, that would never, ever be me. Never. Because I don't speak that way. I don't tell those type of stories. I'm just like, okay, scratch it off. So I knew I wasn't going to be told, right? So my thing is, you got to lean into what you do. Like I was given a keynote once and I was, you know, and it was about social media. And I was talking about Twitter and it was about, I kept fumbling over the character thing. I was like, man, you know, Twitter's 140 calories. And I said that a couple of times, and then I, then I was like, oh, I said, it's a, you know, it's 140 characters. I said, as if only that country fried steak I ate last night was 140 calories, you know? So that, like, that came out. So I was okay. And so that's how I am. I like to connect people, tell, you know, be fun, tell some jokes and do things and keep it real simple. I'm not a, that type of storyteller. I'm not emotional, dude. I'm not going to grab you. I'm not like super high energy, you know, and, and because of that, I don't attempt. And so this is why I tell people, you got to be you. You got to do you. You got to lean into who you are and then own it, embrace it. And your audience is going to find you. And even if, even if someone says, they, again, they take the little nibbles from you, they won't be you. They won't be able to deliver the way you do. And quite honestly, I know emotionally you can get a little salty, like, how'd this person go? I supposed to go do this. I felt that way when I saw some people doing Twitter during COVID getting certain online jobs, like talking about online learning. And I'm like, six months ago, go back six months, go back, you know, eight months, go back 12 months, go back 14 months. This cat wasn't talking about all I learning at all. It was something else. But now they get paid because, again, as you mentioned, they got that name. But what that tells me is that job that they got just wasn't meant for me. Right. So it's not a rejection. It's a redirection. Because the people who are going to rock with you, they're going to rock with you regardless. 
and, and your audience is your audience, right? So I don't get caught up anymore. I, I know I'm petty a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to work on it, but I'm trying not to be like, all right, you know, let them do what they're going to do and bless them. But you got to focus on who you are, what you are, what you bring to the table. And again, all of that deliciousness of what makes, makes you you. And that's what you need to be concerned about. Put in the work. Don't fake it till you make it. Make it till you make it. So put in the work. And that's what you need to be focused on. Oh, love that. Doctor. Lots of knowledge bombs right there, Drop. Thank you so much, Sarah. We'll get a little bit more into that. But just a couple of questions that I have here as far as, okay, so we know pandemic, you know, everything was shut down. There's a lot of educators that rose up. There's a lot of platforms that rose up. And we're reaching out to a lot of educators, you know, a lot of people on Twitter. Can you create this? Can you create that? Can you do this? And it's all for the greater good and so on. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I know you mentioned a little bit about, you know, during that time during pandemic, but, you know, maybe platforms reaching out, but yet no compensation have, you know, I'm sure you doing a podcast, you've had people reach out and say, hey, we'll supply you with product, but you just say that you're going to do this. And I was like, yeah, you know, product doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't pay the subscription at the end of the, what are your thoughts on, on that? And what should educators be looking out for? Because there might be some educators out there that'll be like, oh, you know, here's my chance to like break out and, and make it big. And they really love me and maybe I'll get a job there, but then they just don't see anything from it. What are your thoughts from that? It depends on if this is going to be an ongoing relationship, you, that can be beneficial. If someone is just reaching out to you and there's no coin, again, that's a personal decision. But I say no, because I don't need exposure. I got my own podcast. And the fact that you came to me lets me know that I already, I'm already doing something because you came to me. Now, again, I don't say that to be, you know, arrogant, but they wouldn't come to me. They wouldn't come to you. They wouldn't go to anybody else if they did not know your receipts. Didn't they? They didn't think that you had something special to offer, that you had already built an audience. They wouldn't have come to you. So that's why I want my coin. I don't want a sweatshirt. I don't want a mug. I, I don't want a pencil. I want some coin. And that's just me personally. Now, if you are an individual, meaning I know you like that and you're putting on a conference or you have a podcast and you're like, hey, can you come on to my show? Can you do this? You can do that. Can you present at my conference? I got you. But if you are a corporation where you actually charge people for subscriptions for stuff, if you're asking me for something, you're going to write me a check. And if you ain't got a check for me, that's fine. Not holding any grip, but you ain't getting nothing for me for free. I literally had a professional association reach out to me and ask me, will you come podcast at our conference? They didn't offer hotel. They didn't offer flight. And they didn't offer a fee. What? Do you not know who I am? Now, aside that being me, why would you go to an educator or anyone and ask them to fly to another city 
on their dime, pay for a hotel on their dime, and then do free work. You know, what kind of stones do you have to do that? And so I've had people, I've had other people reach out to me about a conference. Hey, can you do a podcast uh, presentation at our conference? And I was like, what's the fee? There is no fee. There's free membership. I'm good. I wanted to go to your conference. I'll pay for it. But I want my check. Because again, they came to, you know what I'm saying? Like when they come mm -hmm. to you, they got to come correct. That's all I'm saying. If they, if they, you know, how you deal with what you do, that's on you. And I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Some people the wrong way. But again, when you have done the work, and you know you've done the work, and people are approaching you about stuff, that means they know you've done the work. They've done their own research. So they need to come correct. Now, it is entirely up to you on how you do it, whether you, you know, are looking to build a relationship with a company that can be long-term, that can set you up with stuff. Cause I did that with Schoology uh, before power school. I built a relationship with people in the company and that turned into some lucrative things uh, for me, but I am not into Grey's Anatomy, pick me, choose me. You know what I'm saying? That ain't how I wrote. Uh, so I know my value and I know what I bring to the table. I know that I'm not for everyone as well. And so if you want me to be a part of what you are doing, particularly if you are charging people, then, you know, I want my check. Yeah. No, and I hear you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's similar incident that happened to me too as well, where there was an organization say, hey, come over and and a podcast, you know, I did it. The I did it one year just for I had just started, you know, the show, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, no worries. Then they came at me the following year, and I was like, well, you know, and I sent them a nice email, and I sent them, okay, you know, like here's my fee, and I never heard back from them at all whatsoever. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, and and you know, it, it was a learning experience for me, Doctor Will, and like you said, you know, whatever you're saying really resonates. And I think not just with me, but with a lot of creators that are out there, the educators that have a wonderful platform that are trying to, you know, this is their passion outside of work. This may be their their passion, their creative outlet. They invest time into it and they just want to share it with the world. But at the same time, you know, it's that little extra side hustle too. you know, make some extra spending money because we've all got goals, you know, and I love what you said. Um, in this last episode with Yaritza that you said, you know, we became teachers, you know, yeah, we may, we may have become teachers not to be rich, but we didn't become educators to be poor either, you know, so you got to find those side hustles. So now I want to ask you, you know, from your experience, and I know I did put in a link here to a Forbes article, they did a wonderful write up there and you shared a lot of things there in Forbes, but what would be some of your, I guess, best advice for any educator that is out there that may be starting to look, you know, at, you know, extra little side hustles based on some of the creative, uh, you know, I guess, expressions that they have in the education space? Well, what you want to do is you want to look at your business idea, right? And how do you find that idea? Well, the first thing is you want to look at your receipts and your receipts are what do you what do you make or do and whom are you making it and doing it for 
And you're going to look at that when I talk about your receipts is based upon your experience in what you do in the classroom or what you do at your school district. We ain't talking about making up, okay? If you are not an expert, you don't have the receipts, I don't know. To me, because of a rumor now, an entrepreneur, I define that as an educator, entrepreneur who is out to make a change, to make an impact and not in it only for the coin, right? So you'll hear me talk about my coin because I want my coin, but you want to base this in receipts. What are you actually doing? So again, when you're looking at your receipts, what do you do well, right? What are you making? What do you do well? And whom are you making it for? And then you want to break this down into two categories, your what and your who. So your what is, what are you good at? What drives you? What makes you great at what you do? And what do you do differently than someone else in a similar space? So we all go to conferences. We can see, you know, 50 Google sessions at a conference. But when you teach Google or when you use Google in your classroom, how are you doing it that is different from someone else. And that's what you want to lean into. You don't want to try to be, you know, another Casey. You want to be you. Right. And then you, and then you also want to think about after peer people experience your session, uh, what are they able to do? Right. What will they be talking about? And what change are you going to spark? Right. You're not in, in there to show. You know, you don't want to get up and, and spend a day with a school district and it's like, well, I did that for nothing. And the school district just like wrote you the check. Now, you may have gotten your check, but you fulfill your promise. And so you also are, you want to make sure that you are making a change or sparking a new thought in what people are doing. Your who is who needs to hear who needs what you have to offer, right? And, that, and basically in business terms, that is your target audience. Now, that also means that you are not doing this to everybody. So you want to be very specific on who needs to hear what you are doing or who, what you need to say. And you want to look at your target audience and think about what are they currently doing? How are they feeling? So what problem is that school district having? And how can you solve that problem? And then in answering those questions, you want to be very specific, you want to be intentional, and you want to be truthful. Because if you can't answer that question for them, if you can't solve their problem, then that is not a job you need to take. Even if someone approaches you and say, look, we got 10 grand for one day, for two days. And you're like, man, that would be great. If you can't deliver, you don't need to accept it. You know, at that point, recommend them to someone else. Because I, I actually had it happen to me. Someone, I had an organization reach out to me out of nowhere. At first, I thought it was a spam email. And they said, we reached out to someone else. And they told them, Schoology wasn't thin. You need to go see Dr. Wick. And that turned into a couple of years for her. So I appreciate that. But so you want to be, again, specific, you want to be intentional and you want to be honest, because when you are building your business, 
you want to make sure that what you are building it, building it around is something that you can do, something that you do well, something that drives you, and something that you can actually deliver on. And once you have all of that sort of, you know, figured out and actually gone through a real process with that, then you want to take the next steps of going to either find yourself a business coach or go to your local small business association and start working with them on setting up your, your legal structure of your business in terms of incorporating, uh, learning about content leads, uh, learning about branding and those things so that you can again start to build a business because your goal is not to own another business. And that's what a lot of consultants are doing, quite honestly. They're just owning another uh, job, right? They're not owning a business, owning another job. Your business, when your business in, is done right, you can make money when you are not doing anything because either you are selling consumables, like curriculum, lesson plans, workbooks, school districts, processes, those things to where you've sold it, maybe you've trained it, and they just continue to purchase, and you're not involved uh, anymore on a day-to-day -day basis, or you're actually hiring people who are actually going out there and they're delivering your methodology to school districts. And again, you're getting paid without you having to show up. If you have to show up in order for you to get paid, you are owning another job. Now, podcasting is different because, again, you got to show up for that. But in terms of consulting, in terms of courses and sort of things like that, you want to build a business that is going to start off as you doing your thing. But you want to get to a point to where you have built a business in which you can step back, have more time for you, and actually build a business with other people actually doing the work. And the bigger question you want to ask yourself is, what do you want to accomplish and what goals do you have for your business? Whether it be financial or impact, you want to have an idea of where you're going and not just, I'm working every day and I don't have a clue of what I'm doing. Man, that is some great sound advice. A lot of knowledge nuggets there. And you know, I absolutely agree with you, uh, you know, on this last section that you mentioned, you know, a lot of people think like, okay, you know, I started my consulting business and, but you said it really turns into another job. And, you know, a lot of times it's, you end up putting more work there sometimes because you have to, you know, you're getting hired, you're getting paid, you know, aside from your regular job. And then it just becomes, you can definitely burn out on that. But I love what you said, you know, as far as what it is that you're doing, your product, getting that passive income. You wake up, you see that deposit come in, you know, and you're just like, hey, look at that. I slept, you know, my eight hours comfortably. I woke up and I see this on my phone and I see this, uh, you know, coming in and you're just going about your business, your regular day, and then you tweak your things, you know, and stuff like that. And so those are some great ideas. Thank you so much for sharing those. Now, I want to go on the opposite side, on the flip coin, you know, for those that are interested too, you know, what might be maybe through your experience or experience of others that you've heard, because I know you've had just so many people on the show, but, you know, the, the major obstacles, maybe, you know, the first two and maybe just some ways to kind of just overcome that, you know, so what in your thoughts, you know, through your experience, maybe one or two obstacles that you might immediately run into that might just 
cause you to say, you know what, this isn't worth it. And you just get discouraged. Uh, doing too much. Like, right, you can go to some people's website and what do they do? And it's a long laundry list of stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to use prof profanity. It's a family show. But you're not doing all that stuff. Okay. When you are a consultant and you are not a classroom teacher. Now, yours, as a classroom teacher, you may have to do an expensive list of things every day. But as a consultant, that is not what you're doing. You have to find, define a small problem that you are going to solve, right? One specific problem you're going to solve. Dr. Catlin Tucker, for example, she has blended learning. Now, she has been able to pull out different strands associated with blended learning, whether it be UDL and other things. But she is blended learning. You do not go to her website and find Dr. Catlin Tucker talking about um, project-based learning. If it is, if you see anything, it's going to be project-based learning as related to blended learning. It's not going to be like, oh, what is this new, new thing here? It is blended learning. And then from that, she has these little tentacles. And that's what you want to do. You want to have this one thing and then sort of build around. That's difficult for me because, as you mentioned earlier, I have multiple, multiple passions. I have, listen, I got all kinds of degrees and they don't even follow each other. So I have a degree in film production and I have a degree in child and family studies. They didn't. They didn't build off each other, right? And so I have all these interests. And, and for me, it's like, okay, how do you get this one thing settled down and focus on? Because that can get you into trouble because you're trying to do everything. And number two, you got to start, right? Don't just sit up there and try to make everything perfect to where I don't start this podcast because I'm reading up on podcasts all the time. I done joined this masterclass on podcast. I done bought this other thing on podcast. I'm watching YouTube videos on podcast. I don't, I'm, oh, I got to wait till I get the right equipment before I podcast. No, you got to start. And you have to, you just got to get out there. You got to start. You got to get your MVP, as they say, uh, your most viable product. Again, that one thing that you want to do and get out there. And once things start to tweak it, then you can start to refine it and build upon it and grow it. And don't give up. And again, don't compare yourself to other people, right? So Dr. Kaplan Tucker, Tom Murray, Angela Myers, these people have been doing this stuff for years. So if you're just starting out, six months in, don't get discouraged or get down because you're not in everybody's Twitter feed because you're not uh, seeing that type of income. You're not, you know, in the highlights. You're not hitting the stages. You know, everyone had to do what they did, you know, because what you're seeing now from them, it took them years to build to where they are now. They didn't start out that way. And so you're, you're not going to start out that way either. Now, it could. Now, you could strike lightning 
you know, overcome and quote unquote become the next, you know, star in the game. But be in the mindset of I gotta make it work. I gotta put in the work. And it's gonna take time for me to get excellent. Well, great advice, Dr. Will. I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for everything that you've shared on this episode and this show. It's just been very useful, very insightful. And I'm sure that a lot of uh, my audience members that will be listening that, you know, of all walks of life, not just educators, as you know, the mission of the show is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. But everything that you shared really is, I guess, similar being cross-curricular. So, I mean, it goes both ways in the creator market, obviously, education, because educators are creators, too. So thank you so much. And uh, before we wrap up, Dr. Will, I always love to end the show with three questions. But in this case for you, it's going to be four questions because uh, so here we go. Question number one, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? Wow. It is pay it is a lack of patience for people who don't do and won't do. I am education for me is very, very, very serious. My parents drank from colored water fountains and sat on the back of the bus. My maternal grandmother cleaned homes for white people. And education for me is about liberation, is about freedom, it's about choices, and of course, it's about the coin. And when you are in the midst of educators, no matter if they're a classroom teacher, a school admin, or a superintendent, and they are okay with where things are now. They're okay with the status quo. They're okay with the traditional. And they don't look at what they're doing in terms of holding their students back from what's going on. Like, I hate 21st century learning the term. We're so far in the 21st century. This should just be real learning for the real world. It shouldn't have some sort of buzzword attached to it. And so I, that's my, my thing. I just really, it just really chaps my hide when people are stuck in what they've been doing, even though they're in their classroom. They know that kids are bored. And you can, you can, look, if you ever taught or delivered a presentation or spoken, you can look in the audience and tell when people start to gloss over their eyes and they start to tune out. They know they see it. Or when kids are complaining, asking, why am I here? What am I learning this for? Um, you need to get better and you need to do better and understand where your kids are now and what this world is like now. and Dig deep, right? Dig deep, and so yeah, I that's my number one kryptonite is I I have zero patience uh, for people who are they love the status quo and they want to keep. Excellent, great answer. Thank you so much, uh, Doctor Will. But for this episode too, I thought I'd put a little twist on it too as well. So now my next question is: In the current state of edupreneurship. What would you say is your edupreneur kryptonite? I have issues with focus. Because I have so many things that I'm interested in and so focused uh, on, and not focused, but that's my lack of focus because I, 
I have my entrepreneurship stuff that we're talking about right now. But I do consult on how do, how do you teach from a, a learning management system? And I'm all about digital first. I'm all about going one-to-one. Those things, are they do energize me. But that's not the only thing that I want to do. And I'm trying to figure out a way how can I sort of merge the worlds together or leave one alone because I don't want to confuse people, right? Because the people who, I want people to be naturally attracted to me. And I want people to naturally seek me out. Because, you know, ain't boy, ain't nothing like a hustle when you try to hit them streets to get people to sign you in and come to your school. You want to get to the point where people are calling you up to the point to where you're like, look, I can't get to you for another eight months out because I'm just fully booked. I mean, that's where you want to get. And so my lack of a focus is my kryptonite, because even though I told you pick one. There, I still got multiple things going on, and so I need to find my one. There you go. Good answer, Dr. Will. I'm I'm on the same boat as you are. Like I said, I even wrote a blog about being a multi-passionate creative because, I, you know, I, I'm one of those that I just want to learn about everything. And then at least, like you said, you know, in the beginning, you know, I always want to be ready in season and out of season. So if anything, and that's just been part of my job and, you know, coming in from a marketing background and into education, Improvise, adapt, and overcome. The more I know, the better equipped I am and the better I can serve, you know, whomever it is that would be in front of me, whether it's students and teachers. So always just being ready. And sometimes it, it, it does become very overwhelming. So I agree with you. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Will. My next question for you, Dr. Will, is if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Be you, do you. Because in this social media age, and we are seeing so much from so many people, and you get to comparing yourself to other people, and then the whole imposter syndrome kicks in when you get in the room, you don't feel like you belong there. I want you to just own everything about you. Love yourself unconditionally. Now, are there things and areas we all can grow from? Yes. But I need you to accept you. I need you to love you. I need you to own you. I need you to show up as you and not as anybody else. Um, because, you know, that's just, I, that's just who I am. And, you know, and it took me, it took me some time to get to that point. And again, I understand that there are, Things about me that may rub some folks the wrong way. And I work, work, you know, work on some in terms of trying to be more personable in certain situations, uh, as well as sort of tempering my passion for, you know, digital first and not trying to put that on other people and understand that we're all on, on, on our own journey or whatever. But still show up as who you is who you are. Like seriously. If you just really goofy, don't try to be cool or cool by society standards. Be goofy as you. Embrace everything about you. I and you know, it is interesting. And I tell people this. I like to call myself a minimal, a lazy minimalist. But my wife would just say, you just lazy. And because I don't like a lot of uh, steps between stuff, 
I don't like a lot of stuff just sort of mangled up. I like stuff very simple, very quick, very sweet. And that's how I work with teachers. I don't get in and, and try to give this whole grandiose thing about where our kids are going. Now, sometimes I may go there when they, when I hear something and I'm like, I got to pull you out of the dark ages of pencil and paper. <laughs> um, but I went to go see a teacher a couple of weeks ago and I said, tell me what you need from me. And we sat down and we did four things in that classroom. And before we left, she was doing this. She was dancing, having a good time because I didn't go in there with an agenda. I didn't go in there to, to do this big old thing. Tell me what you want. What do you need? And, and everything she said, this is how I can, I, I, I want to be able to do this with my students. Boom, let's get this happening. Because when I leave you, I want you to know what you're doing can do something when I'm gone. Right? Because if I can give you the win, then I, in my opinion, you're more than likely to keep using keep growing, expand your horizons, and then call me back. Excellent. Love it, Dr. Will. Thank you so much. And last question, Dr. Will. Let's say that we flipped roles today, and this was your show this morning, and I'm your guest. What would be one question you'd like to ask me? I want to ask you about your relationship with money. And what are your triggers? with money as far as trigger well triggers really it's just we have a goal in mind my wife and i are very just trying to be very as financially savvy as possible and we have a goal to pay off you know certain things and so right now it's just really finding that additional you know side hustle to just uh be able to make some passive income and make it really like honestly making it very passive where it's just like hey the product is there if people buy it Let's do it. But really, it's that goal in mind of paying off our house in, you know, seven years instead of 30 and paying off all our debt. So being as financially savvy as possible and even finding, uh, thanks to a colleague of mine, and I'll probably share this, uh, usertesting.com. If you go there, you do uh, little user tests on your phone or computer and you get paid 10 bucks, sometimes in about six minutes of work. And that's an extra little side hustle there that that little pile of sand starts adding up. And that's an additional car payment. And, you know, it's an additional, you know, principal payment towards a house. So really, that's just the goal in mind. Just become debt free in seven years. And then from that on, enjoy the rest of our lives together and investing and um, not have that worry. So that way we know, and it, you know, that we'll be set in the future. So it's almost kind of that mindset of, work hard now to, you know, really enjoy the fruits of that labor in the end, but really learning a lot more into this entrepreneur space, or even entrepreneur space, just mm -hmm. anything that comes in, flipping that and trying to just make that little extra. So really that's where it's at right now. I mean, I'm not, we're not dreaming of anything grandiose. It's just, we have our goals and we just keep scratching off that list. And it feels so, so good when you scratch something off of that list. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. But yep, that's where we're at. So Dr. Will, thank you so much. Listen, I really appreciate everything that you shared today. Uh, all the links will be definitely on the show notes for all of our audience members. But 
please uh, let us know or let our audience members know how what's the easiest way that they can contact you or social media. Please go ahead and share away. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Dr. I am Dr. Will. You can find me the same way uh, on uh, LinkedIn as well. And reach out, holler at me if you are starting this journey or you have been in the game. Holler at me and let's get you, you know, on my podcast to talk about what's going on. Uh, because I just want all educators, you know, and because I've had someone say, well, I just started six months ago and I said, perfect. And I had her on my show because their story, their journey is just as important as someone who's making a million dollars because everyone is at different starting points. And so, you know, no matter where you are, holler at me and let's get you on the show. Love it. Excellent. So you heard that. There's an invitation for you, all y'all edupreneurs. Share your story, share your journey, because obviously people in my situation too will definitely benefit from all of your stories. So thank you so much, Dr. Will. And thank you all to all our audience members for tuning in today. Thank you, Steve Martinez, for joining us. Uh, Sherry Fleischer also joining us on LinkedIn. Appreciate y'all. And to all of you that are going to be rewatching or um, you know listening to the show afterwards, Thank you, as always, from the bottom of my heart for making my EdTech life what it is today. Please make sure that you stop by our website, myedtech.life, to check out this amazing episode and the other 150 amazing episodes that you can check out with amazing educators that I hope you can connect with, creators as well that you can connect with. As you know, that is the mission and the vision of our podcast as well. And please make sure you stop by our merch store as well. Get yourself a cap, get yourself some sweaters, some nice little conference season uh, loungewear that you can have. So make sure that you check out the store. We've got some new designs there as well. And as always, my friends, until next time, don't forget, stay techie.